Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Oh, God. Grant's doing chills. Number 11. This is our 100 and possibly 80-something episode. Oh, my God. I haven't even been keeping track. It's been too long. It's time for it to just fucking... uh, (laughs) We just need to, like, propel ourselves into the thousands for some reason. I don't know. Well, the only way to do that is to keep going. I uh, you know I'm right. You know I'm right. Come on. Number seven. Uh, why is it it's going backwards in the wrong order? Yeah, because I'm stupid. Yeah, look up Chills if no if if you don't know who Chills is, uh, Chills on YouTube. Just look. This up. has to be a ghost. It's the real or maybe way this guy speaks. I made it in Adobe Acrobat and just put the video out, and it's a ghost now. Yeah. Wow. He's also a rapper. Oh, God. If you could believe it, man. <laughs> if you could fucking believe that. The like. worst. Anyway, we are starting a call that's great. I'm Jake. Mitch is not here. He's getting a tin for some dip we're making. Yeah, that's true. Um, we're making we're some gonna, dip after this. Yeah, we're going to be playing some poker. Making some buff- buffalo chicken dip, all right? And I got all the proper ingredients, but I forgot the dish to cook it in. You forgot the vessel. And I know. I know what you're thinking. You're like, Grant, why don't you guys put it in the crock pot? Well, the simple truth is this. Crock pot's going to take too long. It's just not going to fly. We didn't plan that far ahead, all right? We we were out doing errands. We didn't start making this shit at fucking 10 a.m., you know? We got a lot of irons in the fire. We can't be be messed with just a bunch of time that we need. Yeah, and we had to leave the house, so it's like... Leaving a crockpot on with a dog in the house is just a bad combo. He's going to turn off the crockpot if there's a fire. Navi with his paws? It's not going to work. No. So we, uh, we're we doing it in the oven, but uh, we'll report back to you next week and let you know how that one goes. Yeah. Um, but we are here for the new installation of the JFK series, all right? It's true. It's true. And it has officially been decided. And uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a lowdown what's going on, okay? So... Last week, we covered what the official reports and findings were. Um, you know, your everyday shit that you would probably learn in a U.S. history class. It's on a lot of pieces of paper, this stuff. Um, today, we are going to be doing a lot more of the conspiracy side and a little bit more of the digging. Um, but the conspiracies today, we're doing this in what YouTube likes to call the iceberg method, you know? Isn't that like a psychological thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. But we're starting at the very tip, which would be, you know, whatever. Now we're at the middle level. And today we're going to be going over some of the more obvious theories, some of the more talked about theories. And then next week we're going to wrap up this series in our final third installation. It's true. And that will be the very, very, very intricate, detailed theories that people don't often hear about because... uh, they just don't have the publicity. Some you know? of them are just batshit crazy as well. Yeah, some of them are a little out there. Um, but today we're going to... We might get into some of the weirder ones, but it'll be... Uh, this one's going to be what, what I call the more 
accepted conspiracy yeah, theories. Yeah, you know? but we're not going to get into the conspiracy side until we talk about the guy who started uh, the, the whole train that we're on. We're all just soaring through a mountain in a tunnel Pretty on much. a conspiracy train because of one guy who killed uh, Lee, Lee Harvey Oswald. Jifka? No, he killed the Lee man who killed JFK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot we're of layers about, of murder uh, in this story. We're talking about Mr. Rubes. Mr. Rubes, Mr. Jack Ruby, the man who shot Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh. Right, he was born Jacob Leon Rubenstein, which okay. is extremely Jewish name. It's my name, Jacob. And then Ruben, you know, the delicious sandwich. Anyway, on, uh, on April 25th of 1911, he was born then. He grew up in a poor Jewish family with six other siblings, an alcoholic father, and a schizophrenic mother. Oh, man. Excellent priming for his future. Uh, he didn't do well in school, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he didn't do well in school. He failed the third grade, and he eventually gave up on school altogether in the sixth grade. But oh. he would tell people that he he made it to the eighth grade. Makes sense. Makes sense. You got to tell people. You know, I mean, you got to appear to have some sort of credibility. But uh, by the age of ten, he was scalping tickets for Chicago sporting events uh, just on the street. You know, he was, he was 10 years old, and he had an obsession with street gang lifestyle, though he he was just not a part of it. Good for him. Couldn't get into it. Uh, social services examined him uh, at this time, you know, because uh, of what his family was like, and concluded that he was an egocentric, sex and gang-obsessed um, young man with an incredibly short-fused temper. Okay. So he went into foster care. <laughs> Oh, man, that's so sad, but okay. Rough couple first years of your life, huh? Uh, So his teenage years, they were mostly spent roaming the the Chicago streets where he acquired the nickname Sparky because of his temper. You know, it was was such a short fuse. And he'd, like, beat the fuck out of most people for, like, the smallest thing that he thought was a slight. Mostly, most of them, like, had to do with him believing that he was being ostracized for being Jewish. Oh, okay. Very self-conscious about his Judaism. This guy. And he would kick the shit out of people. He was always carrying like an item to hit folks with, like a wrench, salad, tongs, baguette, you name it. Um, uh, uh, but after years of this being his life, you know, Rubenstein, he decided that it was time for a new life where he could, um, you know, make money. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, like have a life. So uh, he moved to San Francisco in 1933. Uh, to start a new life of odd jobs that included paperboy, a betting tip sheet hander outer, uh, and even a singing waiter. Mm-hmm. So back in the 30s, you could have the man who shot the man who killed the president uh, sing to you while you ate rice. Okay. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, what else happened? Uh, he, he bopped around San Francisco for about four years, you know, when his mother was committed to a mental hospital, which you know, brought him back home. He was like, got to go be there for my mom, uh, which brought him back to Chicago, you know. Uh, he still he still wanted to turn, like, a new leaf, you know, from his younger days, so he did the responsible thing, and he got a job, and he was working for the Scrap Metal and Waste Union. Okay. And that just so happened to be the most mafia-associated union uh, then, now, and, and like forever. That's a tall order, too, to be the most associated. <laughs> the most. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he was, uh, he was working for them, but he had no idea. Like, in fact, the mafia forced him out once the business, like, was fully in their threshold. You okay, know? okay. Uh, anyway, um... But this was just in time for him to decide to go into the military, where he promptly beat the absolute fuck out of a sergeant for calling him a Jew bastard. Okay, yeah. So this guy is just a very violent uh, young man. He's a pro-Semite, if you will. He loves the Semites. Um, so anyway, but uh, but despite this, he remained on duty in the Air Force, and he was like generally well-liked by his peers, even though he like brutally assaulted a superior. So, uh, three years later, he moved back to Chicago, where he attempted to open a novelty shop with his brother. But this was short-lived. All right, didn't last too long. The brothers didn't really get along. Okay. And so they sold the business for $14,000. That's not bad for back then. Not really, you no. Know? That's not bad, actually. I, w- I would take that deal back then. Why not? Uh, with which, uh, Jacob Rubenstein, 
He moved to Dallas, Texas to help his sister manage a restaurant that she started there, right? So I'm going to go help the other side of the family. You wanna, uh, not side, you know what I mean. It was in Dallas that he thought he was due for a rebrand. All right? He's like, a new, new, new city again, new me, now. And uh, he began going by Jack Leon Ruby. Okay. Rather than Jacob Leon Rubenstein. And it was with this name that he began a... He, he like, became a big name uh, for, for local nightclub scene. You know? Ooh. He believed that nightclubs were his ticket to riches. But what do you know? He fucking sucked at it. He was not very good running nightclubs. Uh, he went through, like, five before he landed on the one where he, like, actually was working at the time that the thing we all know happened, happened. Uh, he, he was very bad at finances and everything else. Uh, he was almost immediately in, uh, in a grave amount of debt, uh, and so his temper came out quite a bit in, uh, with, like, certain patrons, you know? Okay. Did you just fart? I did. All right. Oh, God. There it is. <laughs> All right, moving on. He, he'd often stick a, uh, a thirty-eight that he'd always have on him into their guts and make them uh, get on the ground and literally crawl out of their out of, out of his club. Oh, if, yeah, uh, like regular you know, people do. Yeah, know? just if he didn't like uh, you know who they were or something, or they maybe like spilled a drink or something. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Ruby had uh, part ownership in six nightclubs and was losing an insane amount of money on all of them somehow. Uh, at this time, wait. At this time, he did the big thing we all know. You know, at, at that time, he was in the modern equivalent of a hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars in debt. Okay. So that's a lot of debt, uh, which caused the occasional mental break, uh, followed by intrusive thoughts of suicide and what have you. Needless to say, his family history and mental health issues were like rising to the surface here. He just put himself in a very stressful situation. Seems fitting, yeah. Seems fitting, right? Everything's um, kind of coming to a head here. Yeah, yeah. So most people that knew Ruby, they, they liked him, right? But also claimed that he was sort of a loser. <laughs> like, Wouldn't that suck? A fucking whack job. Be like the guy everyone's like super friendly with, but then you just leave and they're just like, God, that fucking guy. Number He'll three, never be anything. Jack Ruby is a boner. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He truly was a boner. Uh, he'd do anything for attention. All right. So he he didn't have like any real friends, mostly due to his severe insecurities. He'd often make himself. He'd try to make himself sound smart by using like really big words. You know, people do that sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, disproportionately correct behavior. This dinner is absolutely parasitic. It's like, oh, that's wrong. That's. <laughs> That's delightful, Jack. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, he he would try to use a bunch of big words. He would never use them right. Never use them right. So, uh, so super stable and fun guy, this guy. Now, this all isn't to say Ruby was some nut with nothing to back it up. Like, he once severely beat a professional boxer for making a ruckus in his club. And another time, a man pulled a gun in his club... So he successfully took the gun from the dude, beat him half to death with it, put it back in the dude's pocket, and then threw him down the stairs of the club. That's pretty baller. <laughs> so he was a fucking dork and a wiener, and, like, he sucked. But he he had fucking teeth on him, you know? All right, that's cool. So he was a force to be reckoned with with a sixth grade education. Uh, long story short, Jack Ruby had a reputation in Dallas as a short-tempered nut. Uh, who would deliver on his threats, right? So, he did love police, though. He loved he those boys blue. in blue. He would be a back-the-blue boy today for sure. He'd be one of those guys that ironically wears the Punisher symbol. <laughs> or seriously wears it. Either way is very uh, oh, yeah, very, very troubling. Where he'd just be like, no, this shit's badass, dude, Punisher. Yeah, no. yeah. One could say he was a shill for the cops. All right. A bootlicker, if you will. And it was uh, it was because of this that any person involved in organized crime, uh, you know, just naturally refused to do business with the guy. Though nightclubs were like regular spots for mafia members, Ruby was more or less kept in the dark. The guy was like a fucking blabbermouth. Okay. And he was a friends with a lot of cops. 
So, now leading up to the day in question, all right, the assassination of Lee Harvey Oswald, it was found that Jack Ruby had made multiple long-distance phone calls to people that all turned out to be major figures in the mafia. Very strange, right? This leads many conspiracy theorists to believe that Ruby was involved with them and was like, you know, orchestrating some sort of plan. Okay. Some sort of assassination plan. Uh, But rather, Jack Ruby was simply calling the offices of AVGA, which is the American Guild of Variety Artists. Uh, So like... AGVA? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. AGVA. AVGA. AVGA. Oh, AVGA, sorry. Gotta call AVGA. Yeah, uh, basically the people that like represent... You know, nightclubs, dancers, strippers, that kind of thing. Uh, And he was calling them to complain about other clubs in his surrounding area hosting amateur nights, which was apparently against the rules. (laughs) So he he was telling on on other club members. So Jack Ruby, the murderer, is a, uh, he's a tattletale. He's a fucking dweeb, dude. He's a snitch, dude. But, uh, so, the the Avga was was all but ran by organized crime and, and the Italian mob, so, in him calling them, it's like, yeah, you're calling mobsters, but, like, he had a genuine complaint, and he was in the dark, so he had no fucking clue. Yeah, fair point. Yeah, you know. Speaking on how Ruby felt about JFK, um, he loved that guy. He, yeah, I liked <laughs> He loved uh, JFK. He, uh... Like, JFK had placed a lot of uh, Jewish men in places of power, and Ruby, like, worshipped the dude for it. Okay. He's like, yes, yes, building up my people. Needless to say, uh, with, with his love for the, the president and unstable state of mind that was worsening and quickly becoming his norm, uh, when the president was shot, Ruby was devastated. Fair <laughs> like, to say. He, like, everyone else was like, oh my god, I'm in shock. I just saw that. He was you just believe. sobbing into his and open hands. And he was like, yeah, he, he was like crying and snotting everywhere and just like inconsolable. Oh, yeah, unable to even like calm down. Like, Jack, why don't you just relax, Like dude? hyperventilating and you're just like, no. calm down, calm down. No. He's like, oh, Jesus, I just, oh, God. You know, he was just kind of, he, he fucking hated the fact that that, that bullet did that to his head. But uh, so he was also on a German drug at the time. To suppress appetite. To see it was to suppress, uh, you know, like appetite. Ecstasy's close, but it was called preludin, Preludin? and it turned out to basically uh, to have been meth. It was German prescribed meth. Thoughts, explosive diarrhea, unwanted boners, uh, homicidal thoughts, and possibly even diabetes. And launching the world into a world of conspiracy. Call your doctor today if you would like to have these side effects and no longer be allowed to be allowed in public libraries. Yeah, yeah. So he was on meth, uh, and and that you know mixed with his already amplified emotions on the matter that that was just not good. That wasn't good for anyone around him, I'd say. No, I'd say. Uh, following JFK's assassination, Ruby shut down his, uh, you know, his greatly in debt nightclub for the night. Now, I think the weekend, maybe even, um, out of respect, he said. But okay. Ruby was shocked and agitated to see that the other nightclub owners they they just didn't do that. They didn't follow suit. That's like they didn't even respect the president. Rube, Rubes is fucking angry at this point. He's, He's a very pissed. strange, like, moral compass that has very distinct rules. And um, they don't really make any sense. Yeah, They're he's just, just he's just stewing, man. He's just angry. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's go. Let's, let's see, go, uh, man. I don't know what he wants out of this scenario. Other than he's like, I want what I Dude, want, and the I'm way, get it. <laughs> the way it actually plays out is not... You'll see. You'll see. All right, so he, he went down to the police station where Oswald was being held, right? And he began shaking people's hands. He was introducing himself. He was handing out pamphlets for his club. He was, like, you know, plugging that. And he was claiming to be a deputized member of the press. Okay. He's like, I'm just here. They told me to be here. I'm just, like, here to you know, take notes and all this stuff. He eventually left, but he was absolutely livid at this point. Um, uh, yeah, Ruby then proceeded to get absolutely wasted that night. <laughs> Let's get wasted. He got, like, fucking sloshed. Yeah. Spring break, he's flashing his titties and shit on camera. That'd be amazing. Jack Ruby titties. The Jack Rubies, dude. 
Oh, Jack's Rubies. That'll be a, dude. That'll be our strip club name when we open it. We have to find the Jack Ruby. <laughs> so, Where is it? Show oh me my, everything. You know? the Simpsons. He's like, oh my god, we have to find the Jack Ruby. He's like, Homer, Jack Ruby's a person. He's like, oh, all right, let's start over. So, we found him. Uh, all right, so so he's he's pissed off. He's going to the police station. He's shaking hands. Everyone sees him. Everyone knows him. Uh, you know, he's Jack Ruby, and he goes home, and he just gets so wasted. When he wakes up on Sunday morning, November 24th, pivotal date, uh, he, he was violently hungover, as you might expect. And yeah. his roommate... He's got to swallow down his anger. Yeah, he's got he's to do that with it. And uh, his roommate, he, he said that he just kept muttering and, like, mumbling under his breath about the assassination of JFK and, like, you know, I just how pissed he was and stuff. These mumblings were broken up by a call, however, from one of Ruby's dancers uh, for one of his clubs, you know, asking for some money that he owed her. Shad Dynasty? Shad Dynasty. That would be amazing if Shad Dynasty made it in here. Shad Dynasty, dude. <laughs> uh, so Ruby, he then went down to the Western Union to wire her the money, which just so happened to be near where Oswald was being transferred uh, that morning to the state penitentiary. All right, so the timestamp on the transaction that Ruby made at the Western Union it read eleven seventeen a.m. Okay. Right. Ruby then walks half a block down the de- to the Dallas Municipal Building, where four minutes after he wired his dancer her money, Ruby did the deed. All right. It was four minutes afterward. At eleven twenty one, Oswald was being escorted uh, in in like you know the basement of the building. Uh, he was being escorted through the basement of the building into an armored car by authorities, and they were like at first they were they were kind of running because there was a lot of press and everything. They were trying to get him through. He was running at a good pace, and then they stopped right by the car to like have the door open. So in that pause, it, it happened, man. The press was present, including live television coverage. Ruby suddenly emerged from the crowd uh, of reporters, you know, pulled his thirty-eight Colt Cobra and shot Oswald in the abdomen. And there's Ooh. a great photo of this. There's just an excellent photo of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. The bullet damaged his spleen, his stomach, aorta, kidney, liver, and a ton of other really important things in there. So he was, like, definitely going to die. It just bounced around, this bullet did. Yikes. Uh, yeah, R- Ruby, he was immediately subdued, and Oswald was rushed to the same hospital where JFK was pronounced dead, <clears throat> only to die of his wounds about uh, an hour and a half later. Fair? Isn't that crazy? Fair so, enough. <laughs> but Jack Ruby, so he legitimately thought that he would not get in trouble for this. I mean, he, like, he thought, like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to be a hero. I feel like a lot of people <laughs> probably felt similar, but it yeah, doesn't but mean that the law does. Exactly. The reason nobody did it is because of, you know, the law where it says, no, you can't kill a guy. It's like, oh, success. You've done the thing to the guy who did that same thing to the guy you liked. Pretty much. Okay, what happens now? You fucking get charged. Yeah, like, you're going to prison, dude. Dude, as he was being taken away... He yelled, I'm Jack Ruby. You all know me. <laughs> all right, you're admitting as if, it. As if that was like some sort of, you know, it helped something. Um, all right, so yeah, he didn't think he would get in trouble. He thought he would just be taken to the station, processed, and released that very day. But like, you know, uh, no. No. Just no. It, it just, no, that, <laughs> that's not how that works. He uh, He was sent to trial. Where his lawyer, he wanted to uh, lean on a mental illness sort of, uh, you know, case, uh, you know, an argument. Oh, he's got one. He's yeah, got exactly. It. He was like, let's lean on your family history of mental illness, all that kind of stuff. But Ruby, he refused to go from that angle uh, for whatever reason. He's like, I did this because everybody in America wanted it. <laughs> it's like, I guess. He did say that he wanted to spare Jackie Kennedy the trial. That doesn't matter. That <laughs> She's already gone through a lot, but she may as well finish it, huh, Rubster? Come yeah, on. that doesn't that no, just no. Yeah, yeah. So he refused the angle uh, to go from a mental illness state. Uh, so that being the case, after only about one hour of deliberation, the jury came back, found Jack Ruby guilty, and charged him with uh, you know uh, murder. 
And he was sentenced to the chair. You know the chair. Yeah, the one. You know which chair. Well, that is that. Is that what that one does? If it's botched, (laughs) that's where you end up. (laughs) If I'm in the rain too long, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe fucking. There's something's wrong with that chair. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he went to the the infamous chair. Or he was sentenced to, right? Mm-hmm. So while in his cell awaiting his fate, that's when Ruby's mental state... Oh, that was that was very sing-songy. He, uh, it really broke. Like, he was going insane. He went completely insane. He was losing it. He told his sister, while in just hysterics, that he was, <laughs> he was responsible for killing 25 million Jews that were all being boiled in oil underneath the floor of his cell. And it's okay. all because he shot Wait. Oswald. <laughs> Let me figure this one out. So this guy's talking about four... No. 25 million Jews, he thinks, guy, are underneath his jail cell boiling in oil. So he is thinking that under the earth there are four holocausts happening simultaneously because of what he did. Um, four and some change. They really should have gone with the mental illness route. I think it would have Why benefited Why not, everybody. you know? I like, think everybody would be a lot happier. He think because he shot Oswald, he's like, oh, God, they killed 25 million Jews underneath my cell. It's like, no, they're not. He he tried to kill himself, like, multiple times. And, Just wait. They'll like, do it for I you for know, free. I know, I know. But he tried to kill himself. He tried bashing his head in against the wall. Uh, he tried hanging himself. He even tried to, like, electrocute himself with a light socket, which, like, he doused himself in water, took out the light bulb, and he was too short to reach the socket. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was Ruby. just... He was jumping. <laughs> he couldn't do it. Picture um, just a sopping wet man crying, trying oh, to kill himself. God. Like, come on, come, come on. on. Jack. Uh, so... At this point, he he had appealed, and he had another trial coming. But uh, while he was in prison, he went to the hospital with pneumonia, and while there, he they uh, they just found him riddled with cancer. It was just everywhere. But uh, after this, he died of a blood clot of all things. Really? All yeah, right. yeah. So you know, who would have seen that coming with all the things wrong with this guy? In a weird way, that's a fitting end for Jack Ruby. It kind of is, but really. Jack Ruby is such a pivotal fucking character in this story because because of him, we have no trial for, like, the American people to look back to to reference for any of this. Mm-hmm. There's, there was no prosecution of fucking Lee Harvey Oswald. We didn't get him to talk. At least we don't have the documents of what he said in his, like, interviews and that kind of thing. But, like, the point is, no one got closure. Yeah. Yeah and, yeah, yeah, and like with a bunch of gaps in stories and things that aren't mentioned, especially in the Warren Commission, it's gonna breed a bunch of weird, crazy ideas. It really is, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna go into now. So I'm gonna spend some time today. Um, I don't. I, I'm not gonna go over a ton of different ones. I'm gonna go over one that is very interconnected to a lot of different things and. It's very plausible, but this is one that it, it's not quite common knowledge. Um, I would say it's not like one of the more talked about conspiracies, but it's a very reasonable one to feel, okay? Which one is this? Um, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So I want to start. I'm not even going into this because this is a fucking... What? This is, this <laughs> Let's is a, go into this. I'm this not even going to touch this. series in and of itself, but we're going to... Very, very, very quickly gloss over the Bay of Pigs, okay? Oh, yeah, we can sum that up in a sentence. So, for the Bay of Pigs, for those of you that are unaware, it took place in 1961, okay? And pretty much what happened was this is when Fidel Castro was really kind of honing in on the power, you know? Yeah. And so, people that opposed the, you know, Fidel Castro's Cuban Revolution... Um, they went after him, and essentially what was a staged coup, okay? Um, this is, so, they go after him. There is quite a lot of people involved. Um, we're talking upwards of, like, the thousands, okay? And they're gonna go in and they're gonna overthrow Castro, okay? That, that's the end game. Um, it did not work, obviously. No, it didn't work. He was, uh, Castro 
died in power. Yeah. Very uh, recently. Over 2,000 Cuban individuals were killed because of the Bay of Pigs. Um, it was completely botched. Nothing ever changed because of that. And it was just a failure. But what comes to light, and this is not a conspiracy theory. This is a very, very, very true statement is that the Bay of Pigs was secretly funded and planned by the United States government, specifically the CIA, okay? It was mostly the CIA, yeah. And the CIA were trying to strong-arm JFK into participating and backing it. Which he, which it, it happened, because there was really no debate, okay? Yeah. Um, so the CIA, this is where... JFK gets very, very wary of what the CIA is capable of and what they're doing. Okay, like they're fucking planning foreign invasions on their own. Yeah, <laughs> like so they can't do that. It's definitely not something that Kennedy is okay with. Um, but there's really not a whole lot that he's capable of doing. Okay, so this is when things start to get a little bit muddled because. JFK is very against the CIA at this point, right? As we can figure. You know? He wants to dismantle it. So, JFK has openly admitted that he's not a fan of the CIA. It's kind of common knowledge. It's like, no, nah, I don't like it. And then Operation Northwoods comes to the table. That's something that we have talked about before. So, again... We have with all the false flags and things that yeah. were proposed to JFK. So, again, I'll give you a quick, quick, quick cursory thing. This was a planned, planned, keep in mind, planned. That is the biggest word in that fucking statement. Planned. This was a planned attack in order to get the United States' favor to do something a little bit more in the Cold War than just, you know, hoard, okay? So the thought was this. If they could send in drones and planes and drop some bombs and make it look like it was the enemy doing it, Everybody would be down with us going into Cuba, right? Everybody would be down. Yeah, turning the Cold War to a hot one. Everybody would be down. This came across JFK's table, and he outright denied it. He said no, he would not sign off on it. If it was to happen, it was going to happen without congressional or presidential approval, okay? Yeah. Needless to say, Operation Northwoods did not actually ever occur because of this statement. Now, this is when... It gets really bad because at this point, now we're getting into 63. JFK is already talking about his next run. Um, he's going to win. There's no competition for anybody against JFK. Like He is the, the lover boy, right? Yeah. No more one ways is than one, him. yeah. But he gets a little too cocky. He's talking about one of his platforms for the next election would be the complete dismantling of the CIA and stripping them of their power and moving that into different branches that are a little bit more regulated and less private. Okay, The current CIA was not a fan of that. Obviously. Not, not. at all. So, what we understand is from here on out is when... Well, no, actually, I got a couple of little bit more facts that I'll pepper in. The, everything up to this point is factual information. There's no denying it. It is true, whether you agree or disagree. Yeah, just say, like, allegedly, if it's not 100%. Okay, real. fair. So, now we're going to move into LBJ. All right? LBJ. What was Dude, going on in the 60s, right? Wait, wait a minute. You know what I just realized? Huh? Is my dad used to call me LBJ as a kid. But little Big Jake? Little Boy Jake. Oh, okay. And it was just like... I never even put that together this entire series that we've been doing. Uh, hey, hey, OBJ, how yeah. many kids did you kill today, you know? Yeah, yeah, my dad would ask me that too. So anyways, LBJ, vice president to JFK, funny enough, it's the only time in history that we've had two ba like successful three initial people. Like, that's just what they were known as, you know? Yeah, it just worked back then, you know? JFK, LBJ, th th like that is the platform. It was a 60s thing. Um, but what is going on in the 60s right now? Hmm, anybody got any thoughts on that? Well, it's six years before the pivotal summer love. Jake, what's happening? What What is getting people very concerned right now at this time? Is it the Vietnam? It is Vietnam. Yeah. Good old Nam. Good old Vietnam. Now, 
JFK is a proponent of pulling us out of Vietnam and not getting involved. The Gulf of Tonkin incident has occurred. Things are going down. JFK, well, at this point, it hasn't occurred. But had it occurred, JFK would be like, no, 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 that's, we're backing out. This is not our business, okay? Like, that's fine. So, Just come home. What we're dealing with is follow the money, okay? This, is, again, is true. That is the most conspiracy thing I've ever heard, is <laughs> follow the money. Well, think of it this way. <laughs> he's got two enemies right now. Well, no, he's got one, and I'm going to give you the second enemy. LBJ's wife, LBJ, funny enough, <laughs> Lady Bird Johnson. Fuck that. LBJ and LBJ, female. Um, Lady Bird is one of the main stockholders of a company that owns something called Bell Helicopters. Oh, right? look at that. I see those a lot in, in uh, war movies. Bell Helicopters. One of their main stockholders is LBJ's wife. Now, JFK's already said that he does not want to get involved in foreign affairs. He wants to keep his nose out of it. The Bay of Pigs left a horrible, horrible fucking taste in his mouth. He's not interested. He's done. He's out. Okay? You know what else during this time is he and the uh, whatever dude was in charge of Russia at the time. I forgot his name. But they were like communicating via papers. Yes. They, they were. Like in like code in like local papers or something, I, I believe. Or like they were... Someone was putting messages within papers, and then they would be delivered to them. Yeah. And it was all, like, super friendly. They were just like, how can we make this work? Yeah. They, you know? they Pretty much so, foreign affairs were going very good. Yeah. And it was point. like passing notes in class. Um, things were not very tense. Um, yeah, obviously, Vietnam was going on. The Cuban Revolution was kind of occurring down south. But for the most part, things America didn't have a hand in a lot of issues right now. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So... Now we talk about post-death. JFK's dead. LBJ gets into office. One of the earliest things that LBJ does is ramp up the war. We start sending out more troops, more supplies, everything. This is great for the economy. That was another thing JFK was doing. He was, like, barring a lot of uh, manufacturing deals of, like, huge companies. Yeah. So, if you haven't connected the dots already... Bell Helicopters was a supplier for all of the helicopters that were happening or giving, given to the U.S. Army during the Vietnam War. Yeah, fortunate son. So the stocks of Bell Helicopters went through the fucking roof. They had a government contract now. They were the sole proprietor of helicopters in Vietnam. They were doing everything right. And who benefited? The new president and his wife. LBJ and his wife, LBJ. So... But let's get a little bit deeper than that, okay? This is, again, who was working for the CIA at the time of the JFK assassination? Is that that, uh, Eisenhower? No, it was George Bush. Oh. Senior. Eisenhower's in there somewhere. JBS. He was... (laughs) JBS. GBS, sorry. GBS. GBS. Uh, let's just start referring to everyone as just acronyms. GBS. <laughs> he was working at, in the CIA. Now, after the JFK assassination, within a very, very, very short amount of time, he was promoted to the head of operations of the CIA. Okay? That's good for him. It is. It's, it's good. It's a fat little promotion. He went up. Now, during his time in the CIA, this again... Not allegedly. Keep that in mind. This is not alleged. This is factual. G- GBS was buddy-buddy <laughs> okay. with... I'm already getting confused, but I know that's George Bush. <laughs> GBS. He was getting buddy-buddy with some Saudi Arabians. All right? He didn't have an issue with the Saudis. He was all right with them. He kind of opened up some different talks. He was dealing with Saudi Arabian things. GBS had a nice relationship going with the Saudis, okay? Yeah. Flash forward like 40 years. Jesus. Exactly. We're going to go past JFK now. This gets into a little bit of a a larger conspiracy, but JFK still plays a role. Don't worry. GBS becomes president, all right? Yes, he does. He becomes president. Has a son. Loves cocaine and baseball. He is trying his fucking hardest 
to get us involved in a war. All right, he is doing everything in his power to get us going to a fight. All right. Yeah, he's like Jack Ruby on the streets as a teen. He fails. His shit crumbles. His marketability goes to shit. And Bill Clinton steps up. All right, Bill Clinton. Smooth, in. jazzy, come on the dress, man. Sucking on clits. All right, Bill sucking on Clintons. He loves cigars. He's coming into the office. Oh, he's coming. <laughs> what happens after this? All right, what happens? What? Uh, oh, um... GBS gets both of his kids' jobs in government. Oh, there we go. Yeah, and then one of them becomes the president, and eventually, once one of his sons becomes the president, what do we do? We go to war with Iraq, who had absolutely nothing to do with 9-11 because we all know that they were fucking Afghanistan. It, that's where they were from. No, it was mostly Saudi Arabians, right? Well, some Saudis. And then says, yeah, and so some um, from Yemen. But who is Saudi Arabia's biggest enemy? Iraq. Iraq and Saddam. So we connect all these dots. The conspiracy of JFK. I'm not saying that George Bush had something to do with the death, but because of the death of George Bush, or of, of JFK, I'm sorry, oh, oh because of the death of JFK, the CIA was never really questioned again, and they were allowed to do what needed to be done, therefore making their highballer players a lot of money in the process. Yeah, money's good. Now, this goes back to LBJ. LBJ has a reason to want JFK dead, does he not? His wife stands to make millions, if not more, in fucking money and stocks. And LBJ's married to LBJ, so LBJ will become rich from LBJ. Exactly. Shared finances. So, that is a conspiracy in and of itself. Obviously, there's a little bit more... There's more thoughts on the LBJ expansion, but that that's one of the ones that doesn't get enough credit. Um, the fact that Lady Bird, also Hank Hill's dog's name... Um, is stands to make a lot of money from JFK getting out of the picture. You remember the episode where Lady Bird the dog is like a racist dog? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I remember that one. It was like barking at the plumber or some shit. Um, but so okay, so now we got two enemies of JFK, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. That would be many, many, many. The CIA as well as OBJ. Okay. Now, the CIA one stands a little bit taller once we get into Robert Kennedy, all right? Because Bobby was very, very similar to JFK. He was a man of the people. He was very loved and respected, and he felt very, very similar to JFK on the stance of the CIA. And we all know how Bobby's story ends with him getting fucking assassinated, too. Yeah, he died. So, now I want you to keep in mind, some of these a little bit more intricate ones, uh, that will be in the finale next week. But I do have one more that is probably the bigger conspiracy as far as JFK goes. Okay. And that would be organized crime or the mafia. The mafia. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I'll, now, I'll, I'll pepper some things in. There. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the mafia one short because I already know. Now I'm gonna for total transparency. Next week's episode is gonna get real intricate and heavy. Um, I have found two very very important things that I'm going to pretty much just absorb myself in over the next six to seven days. Um, one of them is a four hour documentary. One that I had seen before, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. It was a while ago. Um, and the it other was pre-podcast, one I think. is an 87-page document by an individual that worked with the Warren Commission but was not on the Warren Commission and has a little bit of a different perspective than the Warren Commission. All right? That makes sense, yeah. So instead of... I don't want to sit here and speculate on things. I'm going to get into some very weirdly specific details next week. Yeah. Um, But this week, we're going to kind of gloss over the mob. So, for those of you that didn't know this, the Kennedy family comes from a long line of rich motherfuckers. Yeah, they're a very rich Irish uh, Catholic family. So, pre-Great Depression, the Kennedy family is, they're well off. They're not, you know, the most rich and powerful family, but they're well off. And it's pretty much pretty well known 
that the Kennedys, JFK's father, was tipped off about what was going to happen with the Great Depression. Okay? Mm-hmm. Tipped off. So what he did, took all of his money out of the bank, liquidated all of his assets right before the Great Depression. All right? So he's got all of his money. Then the Great Depression hits. Shit plummets. Everything is in the shitter. People have nothing. Businesses are going under. Real estate is at an all-time low. Kennedy sweeps in, buys it all up, takes everything he can get. He's got the money. Everything is fucking a tenth of the price now. And that leads to the Kennedys being a very, very rich family. Yeah. No, he did well. Now, it's pretty much well-known. Or at least well believed, I should say, because there's no full on proof, but it's very well believed that the Kennedys were closely associated with the organized crime families of New York. Okay? That makes sense, yeah. Now, we're talking about real mafia shit, not The Godfather, not these fucking movies, not Scarface. We're talking legitimate organized crime. And. There is reason to suspect that they were the ones that were able to complete the task. Now, it is something that is often speculated, and if I'm not mistaken, I'll have more info on this next week, but if I'm not mistaken, it's all but proven true that Marilyn Monroe and JFK had a thing going. Yeah, they, and, they, that was a fact. Yeah. Well, no, not that, but Marilyn Monroe had connections to the mafia as well. Oh, yeah. And it was believed that she was the go, go-to go person. She was the middleman. So if the mafia needed to get any information to Kennedy or vice versa, she was the perfect portal to make that happen. She'd come visit him, suck his dick, move on. Yeah, referring to her as a portal is, is pretty funny. Well, fair point. Yeah, but... Any messages that needed to be shared between the organized crime families and the Kennedy family could be done through the surrogate of Marilyn Monroe. It was okay. also done, I think, through uh, uh, Frank Sinatra. But, yes. But uh, JFK became privy to that and ended their friendship. Yeah, it was something that he really couldn't be a part of because it, it, it was too open. You know what I mean? It was too out in the open. There's nothing you could really do about that. No, it's true. You see JFK and, uh, and any of these people together, you're just like, I gotta take a picture of that. Yeah, that's true. So there's a reason that the mafia is what it is today. And that's something that we call, you know, being remembered. Am I right? They're very well known. Um, Everybody knows who they are. Yeah. But what people don't often realize is that the tactics that are used currently and up until that point, even in the 60s, the tactics used by the CIA are straight out of the organized crime handbook. They use the same tactics when it comes to interrogation Information getting, money laundering, job or not jobs like business proposals, things like that. Yeah, they were they were heavily they had ties. They're you know? straight up out of the fucking book of the mafia. Okay, and it's interesting because then there's an even deeper connection between uh, the New York mob family, specifically the boss Joseph Bonana Bonano, <laughs> right? Bonana, <laughs> Bonano, <you> fucking minion, <laughs> Bonano. That's fucking name. Bonana, Bonano. I didn't fucking pronounce it. What, what's it, what's his first name? Bill. <laughs> well, no, that's his son. Joseph is the man. Joe Bonano. All right. All right. Yeah. So he actually talked about this very openly. That the mafia, several different mafia families, actually had very, very long-standing ties with anti-Castro Cubans, all right? All right. So this kind of connects them to the CIA further and some to the C- uh, to JFK as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also believed that JFK got elected because of the essentially the endorsement of the mafia, okay? Yeah. Because, um, again, it's, if you watch shows, you're going to understand... That the mafia has sway. And we're talking New York and Chicago. Two of the larger cities in the country. And they're essentially mob run. I mean, things that go through those cities are passed by the mafia. Pretty much, especially back then, but like every union is heavily involved and run by the mafia. 
and JFK got the Union backing in both of these cities. So it leads a lot of people to think that the Mafia had some sort of ties to getting him elected. And he kind of spit in their face in a way. He Uh, very much did because he was going to work on dismantling organized crime. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw the statistic that uh, convictions, not even like... Not even like bringing them in for the trial. Convictions of people in like crime families went up eight hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> like it's fucking JFK. That's not a smack on the fucking dick. Jesus Christ. JFK and Bobby were very anti-mafia, so not only did they possibly have some connections to the mafia, but they also were definitely not their friends. They were actively trying to get rid of them. So. This leads us to believe that possibly the Mafia is responsible because we know that he was very, very strict. And had he won re-election, everybody knows that U.S. presidents, if you're planning a two-term run, term number one is going to be a lot calmer than term two. Because once you get into that second term, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You don't have to worry about (laughs) re-election. Look at Trump, too. Fair enough. <laughs> that, <laughs> he was crazy. And that wasn't point. even two terms. That was just like the second half of his only term. <laughs> but it, so it's it's very reasonable to believe that the mafia, if this is true, was afraid because in his first term, it had been made very clear that it was no longer going to be accepted or looked the other way. It was going to be cracked down on. People were going to take this shit very seriously. So. The Mafia is a very, very likely candidate for wanting JFK dead. So he's got uh, all of organized crime. He's got most Cubans. Uh, He's got the CIA (laughs) and and his own vice president as as possible enemies. We're talking four enemies here. And these are just four that we're mentioning. Okay, These are just four that we are bringing up. And three of them are large populations of folks. Yes. And now, I will admit, now to me personally, this is 100% my opinion, I feel like the Cuban thing isn't what got him killed. I think that there were a lot of Cubans that... They may have been like conduits from the other enemies to, you know... exactly. They, I think, are a very, very good excuse um, cause they, yeah, there's a lot of Cubans that felt some kind of way about JFK. Yeah. All those people that died in the Bay of Pigs, uh, they all had families. So yeah, 2000, uh, what do you want to say? Probably at least like 20,000 people were probably really pissed at him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, I think they are a very good scapegoat for the other three more likely candidates. Now. What needs to be understood here is that the LBJ connection, I think that's another one that could, I'm not saying throw it out. Throw it out as in it's not true. Don't throw it out. Uh, There is one little thing I want to mention. When he was being sworn in on Air Force One, LBJ that is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, uh, As he was being sworn in, he turned to the congressman and gave him a little wink. Okay. And uh, congressman, oh, he winked back. Ooh. A knowing wink and a smirk. And then, meanwhile, Jackie's just got brains in her hair. Yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. So, LBJ. I'm, and again, like I'm saying, I'm not saying get rid of him as a suspect. But on this scale, he's a little bit lower on my list of truly suspicious characters. Only because the motive that we're aware of, the two motives we have are the Bell helicopter stock and him becoming president. Okay. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Both of those things by themselves are very large, but comparative to the other two, his motive is a little bit less, if that makes sense. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's true. And um, honestly, like on the mob side of it, like uh, they kind of figured that LBJ would back off should uh, JFK be, you know, uh, out of the picture. Yeah, taken care of, if And you they were right. Out of spite, LBJ, or yeah, LBJ, he just like got rid of most of the things that he put into motion. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so th- this begs the question. Now, obviously, this is one that I'm really going to dig into next week. 
everything that was mentioned today, minus the LBJ one, we're going to dig a little bit deeper in in part three. Um, but More names to make into acronyms for you. Yeah, no, exactly. But um, one more thing is the multiple shooter incident. Okay, there's the idea that there were multiple different shooters, possibly one on the grassy knoll. Okay. Yeah, possibly other ones. There's there's a ton of just like because police were on the scene as it happened, so they just started getting like eyewitness testimonies, mm-hmm. and the, there's so many of them. Oh, like, dude, yeah. the Warren Commission went through two, not two, twenty thousand pages <laughs> of just information on that day. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's insane. But the reason I'm not going to bring up the grassy knoll in depth today is because, at least for this episode, we're not so concerned as to who pulled the trigger. We're more concerned as the bigger picture, the scope of why that trigger was pulled, okay? Yeah. So It was that, an umbrella gun. Exactly. So <laughs> These will all be touched on next week in the Part 3 episode, but I wanted to bring it up just so you guys, just so you know we're not forgetting the we're big We're going to prime you for next week. Um, but really, the interesting thing is that the mafia and the CIA, as well as LBJ, all have a very, very, very valid reason to want JFK gone. And the Cubans. Don't forget the Cubans. And it's not out of the question that they worked together to make sure that it happened. As we talked about, the CIA, again, we'll get more information, the CIA and the mafia are enemies on paper, but they both can utilize each other in a certain way to get what they want, okay? They were definitely coexisting. Yeah, they're working together. They're not hating each other fully. So, the idea that these two could be together really opens the door to a huge idea of why why JFK, you know, why him? And I think at least where we're at today with this information and where I'm going to end my stuff today is the thought that JFK was probably the one of the most, if not the most, beloved presidents across the aisle. Um, there's people that didn't like him. By obviously. the American people, but like one step removed from the American people, he probably had the most enemies of any president. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As far as politics go, people were, he was an enemy of a lot. Um, but as far as just general consensus of people enjoying him or liking him, he was probably one of the higher people on that list. Yeah. Um, he was. Ju- he just kind of had it all. He was smart. He was sweet. He was a good old Catholic boy. He was a war hero. Yeah, he was a war hero. He comes from good stock. Um, his wife was <laughs> a good first lady. They were all around. They were really... Reaching a lot of people, okay? Yeah. Um, so it's important to understand that the fact of him being assassinated, looking back on it, isn't that shocking. Um, because when somebody is that liked and trusted, it's not a good fit for a lot of people, okay? Yeah. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of, of people discomfort. that are A lot of people that are willing to do that, yeah, I agree. But... Sadly, I'm not sad about it. You guys might be sad. That is where I'm going to leave it for this week. Well, yeah, we got to go play poker and eat chicken dip. Well, that's true, too. But I want you guys to know that next week, um, prepare yourselves for possibly a little bit longer of an episode. Yeah, we're probably just going to jabber on. And for um, if there's ever been an episode where you're going to need a notepad if you want to follow along, it will be next week. I promise you that. Um, it's going to get very muddled, to say the very least. It's going to be hairy. But with that, I love you guys very much. <laughs> yeah, and no, I, I love you And I appreciate you well. listening to us today. It's true, me as well. And we'll be back next week with a hot new episode for you. It is true, and it's true because we are starting a cult that's great. I'm Jake, and uh, you can follow us on all the stuff, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There's also a TikTok, uh, Wasak underscore pod. And there's an email, startacult at gmail.com. Send us whatever you want. And Patreon down below. We're on YouTube. You can subscribe and all that stuff. But mostly the Patreon down below. You can get extra content twice a month. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Mitch is here. I heard him uh, uh, whispering sweet nothings through the door. 
So I'm going to go ahead and get him for bananas. I think he heard you. All I heard was Mitch out there like, oh, no. Mitch. Hey, I'm going to try to call him with my voice. Mitch, we need you for bananas. It's your time. He's coming. I hear the dog. He's bringing the dog with him. He's in motion. You're on. It's showtime. Motion's happening. Hey. He's here. Hello. What's up, Navi? It's your time to shine. Mitch. All right. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. We love you. Thank you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to visibly firmer, summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.